Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome back to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Connor Clancy. I'm joined by Kev Pogzelski and only Kev Pogzelski. Vito Doria is not here with us as he tends not to be during the midweek rounds. Kev, how are you keeping? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm less in a spin than I was Sunday. Uh, I'm feeling a little bit better about football life. Well, it's, know, Thursday, it's Thursday life. evening. It's the most peaceful day we've had since that Sunday night recording and we've just watched the game in which there were seven goals and some of them were beautiful so I think that says a lot about how this week has been but oh my god it's been a riot hasn't it these last few days there's been a a lot to digest (laughs) absolutely has so we we've got to say from the off that obviously while we were were recording on Sunday evening, the the now called Dirty Dozen of Serie A, La Liga and Premier League clubs released their intentions to join this European Super League, although the European part was a little bit vague. So the Super League and within 48 hours it had collapsed and a lot of people are lo- left looking a little bit red faced. We will talk about it in, in a while, Kev, but... During all of this chaos, on Monday, the new Champions League format was also released. So we've got to talk about that a little bit later as well. But we'll start with the collapse, shall we? And we'll talk about the the three Serie A clubs who were supposed to be in this Super League. AC Milan, who haven't qualified for the existing Champions League since 2013. Don't ask me why they were there. Inter and Juventus. These clubs obviously released very, very different statements as it became clear that this competition wasn't going to happen. Inter were the first 
I should say there's something funny in every single one of these, by the way. So we might have a bit of fun with this. Inter were the first of the Italian clubs to officially step away from it, saying uh, Inter can confirm that they are officially no longer part of the Super League project. But this is where it gets good. We are always committed to giving fans the best football experience and innovation and inclusion are part of our DNA. Our engagement with all stakeholders to improve the industry will never change, right? Well, they didn't engage with their stakeholders when they were coming up with this plan. And if you remember back as far as two years, Inter had that big, big promotional campaign of which the slogan was not for everyone. So apparently inclusion has always been part of their brand. Milan were the next to release a statement and they didn't actually say that they were disassociating themselves from the Super League, although I have been informed via Daniela Matar, an Associated Press journalist. Um, she was told by someone in the club that they see that as being implicit in their statement. So as far as they're concerned, they're not going to tell anyone this, but as far as they see it, they're out of the Super League, but th they've not actually said that even now. Juve kind of doubled down. They did say that I mean, I'm not going to read their statement because it was just like they put into some sort of system that generated a load of legal jargon. It's really difficult to read. But the, <laughs> the long and short of it is they're committed to the idea of a Super League and they think it's necessary, but they recognize that this current Super League cannot happen. So Kev, without talking about the league itself... What what do you make of the the handling of this and, and the fallout of this regarding the three Serie A clubs involved? Well, it's it's been horrific from start to finish. I think you mentioned it in uh, in Inter's statement where they say about stakeholders. I think the one thing all three of these sites, well, all twelve of these sites, should have done is actually consult their most important stakeholders which are those that are going to the going to the stadium every week or, or um, the players or the coach <laughs> well yeah 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 so yeah i did feel a little bit for players and the coaches um that have come out and then being even told that they've maybe come out too late and they should have you know but they were kept in the dark mm. you know it's, it's, it's very hard to to do something in the immediate announcement of of this, um, this oh, let's call it a league. I was trying to try not to say talk about the league or even in name. Um, but fu fundamentally, they've got this. They've got they've got arguably probably a quite forward thinking view that maybe more of their income as has as has happened in the, the over the last couple of decades will come through the broadcasting of matches around the world. But it's almost as they just assume that the local fans will either cease to exist in, or you know, regular local fans will cease to exist in 10 or 15 years, or just assume that it's fine that they make most of their money. So something like, you know, something like this would be would be fine. And I think even in, if this came out 10, 15 years time when we've probably gone down the down the route of more and more streaming services, maybe clubs streaming their games directly, that there would still be enough fans that would disrupt plans like this because they wouldn't want to see it. You know, 
disrupt their football. And, you know, we've seen things in Germany where they've protested the, the Monday night kickoff um, or, or, you know, just kickoff times in general. You've, you've, you've had, they probably had a couple of decades of, firstly, fans really not protesting too much about some of the really inconvenient things that they put in place for them. And also they've had a couple of decades of every time this a suggestion of a Super League comes up, UEFA bend over backwards to give them concessions over the rulings and the money breakdown that they're going to get. Again, that's not discounting the fact that UEFA are, you know, they're no angels themselves. No, no. Um, and that, that was something that I stressed in, in plenty of what I put on social media all, all around this was that if I'm being really, really sort of sceptical, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if everything else that's gone on over the years, if this was to deflect from the new Champions League format, which, you know, we'll, mm. we'll, dis- we'll discuss because it has, it's made you almost think, oh, well, oh, thank God we've got the champ, you know, we've still got <laughs> yeah. the, cha- you've still got the Champions League. And it's like, well, no, because let's have a closer look at that that's going to come in in 2024 because the momentum that's built, obviously there's, you know, well, I'm closer to it in the UK. The, the momentum that's built almost makes you think that we could probably, as a as a movement, as a group of supporters, push for a little bit more. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That will, was a question you asked, no? I can't remember, to be honest. But look, it's it's one of those topics, right? It, it's quite inflammatory. You, you, you start speaking about it and you go off on tangents and you don't end up talking about what you're originally supposed to talk about, but what comes through when, whenever you ask most, I mean, most sensible people, most people who actually like sport would all agree that this is a nonsensical idea. And that passion, when you talk about it, spills over and the emotions do spill over. But I mean, that's one of the things that, makes us football fans right we do have that passion about it and it's a it's a sport at the end of the day and the super league wasn't sport it was it was entertainment there's it's as closed as a league can be without being a closed league there were ways for five clubs to get into it with no explanation of how that would happen so is it just potluck do the Super League teams vote and say, we'll take Boca this year, um, Estegal next year. I, I, there was no explanation of that. But well, we... One from each continent. Yeah, right? Who knows? Who knows? Because I think Florentino Perez came out in one of his car crash interviews and said that Roma and Napoli can qualify for this. How? <laughs> Don't know. Ask Agnelli. Um, But... It's been chaos since because all of the clubs have backtracked and we saw a lot of reaction from this in in England. And I have to say, I did not expect to see this in in England because fan culture around Europe is is very, very different. This is the kind of thing you might have expected in Germany. Um, Protests aren't too uncommon in Italy as well. But in fact, it it was the English football fans who usually just kind of moan about things but don't act as well as other countries would who 
really saved the day. And I never thought we'd be sitting here commending Chelsea fans, to be honest, but they they stopped the team bus from getting into the stadium. And of course, that's not the only reason why this has happened, but it's definitely a contributing factor. And there was a survey that we got sent from, from YouGov today. And they surveyed Italian football fans. And I thought it was quite interesting because I think if you carried out this survey in other countries you would get a more decisive result against the Super League. But what it showed was that 24% of Italian football fans were opposed to it, while 24% again were strongly opposed to it. So the 48% did not like the idea. That still leaves quite a lot of of people. So 27% of people were in favor of it. And 8% were strongly in favor of it. When it came to supporters of the three clubs involved, Inter Milan and Juve, 40% of those fans were open to the idea. Whereas when it came to supporters of other clubs, only 25% of those were open to it. And everyone kind of agreed. There was another question about money. And 72% of the fans said that finances were the driving force. While only 9% believed that fans' desires and wants were taken into consideration. So there seems to be an acceptance from everybody that fans were irrelevant in this. It was all about money for those owners, not even the clubs, for the owners. But in Italy, there wasn't that much outcry compared to in other places. Is that fair to say? It's, it sounds like it. It's in, it's interesting with those statistics when they, you know, you know, how do they? I assume these people just identify themselves as fans. I would imagine so, yeah. And I think there is this, there is this, this. It's not a line you've got to draw, but it's got, it's got, it's got to be. You've got to define someone that goes regularly to the stadium, follows the team home and away. That is if you like, almost directly impacted, whether that's by the number of games that they'll have to pay, the likelihood that the ticket prices are going to go up, um, the amount of travel they'll have to do with the you know additional games in Europe, effectively somebody like me, um, and then somebody that calls themselves a Milan-Juventus interfan. Because I saw, a, I saw a couple of the first things that came out was me seeing people phoning into radio shows and going, I support, you know, let's say Tottenham and somebody else and I won't support Tottenham anymore. It's like, why are you supporting whoever it was, Brentford and Tottenham or whatever? And it just reminded me of when I went to the, the Milan derby, uh, God, I can't even remember the year now, but Icardi scored in like the 96th minute. Mm. And uh, I met a couple of lads in a, in a pub and, you know, got chatting to them and they said they came from Naples. And I said, oh, wow, you came from Naples. I went, and I went, yeah, yeah, we're, we're into fans. I went, but you live in, you've got, Nate, you've got Napoli. And they went, oh, yeah, we support Napoli, but into our big club. And I thought, Napoli are a huge club. And I thought, yeah, I don't, you know, it's, it, when I travel to Europe, it seems more of a, more of a thing. And um, Sid Lowe was making the point in, in Spain that it's very much, everybody kind of has Barcelona and yeah. Madrid because they're, they're accepting that, you know that financial dominance, and to be honest, that's that's borne out as well. The fact that the league, La Liga, has never really gotten around 
um, the distribution of, you know, the equal distribution of, of money. And whereas in the UK, where you were saying about a lot of the fan protests were being driven from, there is that sense that, you know, there's an equal share, maybe maybe more chance of, a, you know, a Leicester City happening than probably, I don't know what equivalent would be in Italy, maybe this season, but I suppose it's a Sassuolo. Yeah. You know, they go on a run, they win the league. And it just hasn't happened. Um, it's it, it was interesting. Well, it's interesting. I, I just didn't read the Juventus statement because it had already infuriated me earlier in the day that I was quite I was quite um, let down really that Pirlo kind of sort of took the towed the party line, and uh, you know, and there was all this. European fi- football needs fixing, which was kind of reiterated by Agnelli and also by Perez. Now, I don't discount that European football doesn't need fixing. The issue is that these 12 clubs were trying to fix it. Their attempt at trying to fix it was give themselves more money. Mm. And okay, they kept trying to argue that they, they'd be putting four times more than UEFA do back into the clubs. But the bottom line there is they were bribing them. You know, it's a sweetener because those domestic leads would no longer be really worth playing in because uh, I saw the Atalanta fans saying, well, yeah, go. yeah, We're happy. Let's not have them. And, and, and you know, Vito, actually, our lovely Vito, made the same point that, oh, I'll still support Sampanet. So that's easy to easy easy to say. Sorry, Vito, because you're not here today to defend yourself. Although we had this out on Twitter. But you're, you're in Australia at the moment. Think of those fans that if you're, say your revenue is 100 million because of the TV money and then the TV uh, money coming in for, for Syria is reduced down to 25 million because they say, you know, that, that those three clubs are 75% of the value that they're paying. And then suddenly you're going out of business and your you know, attendances are dwindling anyway because of the social um, interests that people have got now. And then and your, your club is dying. It is, it's just slowly dying. It might die over 20 years. It might die over 10 years. But that is effectively what... And, and it worried me when I saw some of the comments from a lot of fan, you know, some fan groups going, just leave, we'll have Serie A on our own. Because mm-hmm. I thought, well, at least like, because you, obviously Chelsea had the direct protests for their game and they were one of these clubs that were sent up. But actually Leeds United the night before against Liverpool, their fans coming out and protested. Admittedly, it was probably directed at the wrong people because it's the plan, fans, uh, the players and the staff that, that had no direct input in the decision. Mm-hmm. But actually, they were almost looking at it and like, if this goes ahead, it kills our league and it probably kills a lot of domestic leagues because what you'll end up with is if Italy would have ended up like, I don't know, I think, you know, Serbia, where you've got Partizan and Red Star that play each other twice a year to huge crowds, but they get into Europe regularly. So they've they've got maybe 10, 10 times as much income as the rest of the league and then the rest Scotland. of the league is just fine. Well, yeah, exactly. Uh, so there's all these leagues across Europe that, as soon as one team gets in gets into Europe in a couple of seasons, you suddenly see them winning their league ten years in a row. Mm. Not this time, Juventus, but the leagues are dying. You know, and I travel a lot around Europe, and I love going to those little grounds. But I found myself there more and more with four to five hundred fans, as opposed to sort of six to seven thousand fans. Okay, the stadiums weren't full, but 
the even the local people they just lost interest in it because unless the big team rolls in once a season and and eventually kids don't want to go to that and stuff and that that was why this was so important that as many people as possible fought against it Mm. to be honest I, i i'll say that i was one of those who was kind of of the opinion to say we'll just leave go Oh, it's the it's it's the natural human reaction to first say that, but then you think about it, mm. and because they're going and all that money's going to probably go with them. But would it not have just uh, been a case where uh, clubs have to manage their money better? Um, so I did a oh. piece in the reaction for this when I was doing some research, and it's not at all a surprise that these three clubs wanted to leave because over the previous was it decade or in the previous year over the previous decade only four clubs currently in Serie A were profitable Napoli, Sassuolo Atalanta and Crotone everyone else made a massive massive loss and the three clubs with the biggest losses you guessed it these three you know mm-hmm. but then you get clubs like Florentino Perez Real Madrid John Laporta came out today for the first time all week the newly elected president, and said a Super League is absolutely necessary. Laporta, okay, he's just in the job. He's just in the door. But Florentino Perez has gone on about how he is in a, a financially crippling situation, which, let's not be mistaken, he has gotten himself into. He's made the, the position of president at Real Madrid almost untouchable for anybody else. That the last two elections, he's been uncontested because nobody can fit the criteria to qualify to run. And he spent, for example, to sign Eden Hazard one season early, he spent over 100 million euro on him. And he's going on about saying, oh, look, basically what he's saying is, I've got myself in this terrible mess, but listen to me for the solution to world football's problems. Why should we listen to you? Because you're you're admitting that you're coming from a position of weakness, pretending to have all of this strength. So these are not the people that we should be trusting to look after the good of European football because they can't even look after their own houses. No, well, that's one of the most shocking parts is that Perez and Barcelona, to you know, to a certain extent, have convinced. Clubs, you know, I did say, I take the six English sides that that make a lot of money and they still lose money, but he's convinced them to to move away from what is slightly a more uh, equal playing field just to save them. And it's this, it's you know, they're 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 separated from reality that they think that the the. The only way to fix this is the way they they try and fix their teams when they're not performing on the pitch, which is to spend more money. Try and make more money and spend more money. Now, in every industry, when you're doing well, profits are going up, sales are going up. You you know you get your costs down. You you know, but then you hit you hit a point where everything kind of flatlines, and it you know you'll go up with um, inflation. But but generally, you you found you know you're working to maybe a ten percent margin of profit, or, you know whatever. 
football for some absolutely crazy reason, well, largely because it's not very well regulated, we should never have seen over the 100 million, at most, 100 million should have been where the transfer, you know, where, where it found its its natural level. And then, you know, then we roll on like that and, you know, Jay, just, just increase in inflationary levels. But more and more people take a punt pushing more money into the into the football industry because they think it's it's this ever snowballing sort of industry that just it's just mind-blowing that they think that they should have been thinking how rather than how do we move away from our leagues and make even more money they should have been thinking how do we make ourselves more profitable how do we make our domestic league more profitable or maybe even how how is the champions league money better regulated you know ffp's been a bit of a car crash really for uefa mm. because it <sighs> yeah speaking of car crashes uh the new champions league format has been unveiled as well obviously it's been expanded to 36 teams because 32 wasn't enough and basically they're doing away with the group stages from 2024 on there will still be four pots of teams who go into the competition, which will determine who you play in this massive league table. So there's going to be a league table of basically 36 teams for in the Champions League. Um, and Right, so we discussed this a little bit before we came on air. And before the Super League was even a thought in anyone's minds, well, we knew it was a thought. It was always in the back of our minds for the last decade or 20 years. But before we knew it was happening, I had to write an article about this Champions League reform for for Marca. So I was doing a bit of research. And while I was reading it and writing it down, I just thought, all right, this seems a bit crap. But okay, I just need to get the article done. It was only before it came on air and I was saying the things aloud to you that I started cracking up because some of it is... It's unbelievable how pointless a lot of the matches that are going to be played are going to be, which, I don't know, I like the Champions League in its current form. But basically, so there's this massive league with 36 teams. And so the results of each match, three points for a win, one point for a draw, nothing changes there. The top eight teams will advance automatically to the round of 16. And then those sides placed between 9th and 24th will enter a playoff round. So if you finish between 9th and 16th, you'll be seeded in the playoff. So they will play teams from 17th to 24th with home leg or with home advantage in the second leg. If you finish below 25th, you're knocked out and you, you've no way into the Europa League. There's no back door this time. But Kev... They're going to play about 10 games each, right? To eliminate <laughs> what? Less than a, a third of the competition. Um, yeah. After the round of 16, everything is normal. But what's the point? Yeah. And, you know, if, I suppose we should have seen this come because you UEFA want to do it because it's, it's more games for them. And it's it's more games for the clubs, which is what the clubs clubs want. So it's more prize money, commercial money from from gate receipts and things. Um, but it reminds me of how 
bizarre the qualification for the Euros were when they extended that to, you know, I mean, they they extend it to twenty six sides. Well, I was it. I was. I was a beneficiary of this because, yeah, we went to 24 teams and I went as an Ireland fan to this and only qualified because I was expanded. had no right being there. And then we got through the group because finished third of a group of four teams and got through. But that that should have been their warning because you had 52 at the time, you know, official UEFA nations. So you effectively had a one in two chance you know of making it so it did it made it it made an absolute mockery of the the qualifying groups and in, international corner corner qualifying is dying a little bit anyway but that that's all this is gonna do i suppose one thing you could say about the new format is for once that it is actually a league you know it's been called the champions league since 92 but it's actually been a, a knockout competition after the the little group stages mm. um so half of the name is right now. <laughs> yeah. But there's there's also this, the, the most controversial thing about it is probably that there is this pathway in for teams who don't actually qualify based on recent UEFA coefficients. So there will be two spaces to distribute to two teams around Europe who don't qualify for the Champions League, but have done enough in recent years to have higher coefficients than other people so for example this year if Juve miss out on the top four them and Arsenal or someone would still manage to get into the Champions League which is just that's just not right is it this is part of the thing that we didn't like about the the Super League it's not closed but it removes the chance of these teams who are so successful having a bad season and actually having to to suffer the consequences of a bad season and it's just a bit this disheartening yeah it i don't know how well well if it because i think this is one of the things that they will push back on uh, i know it has been an, announced but i don't know if there is a little bit of momentum with the, the process we've got till 2024 that this might change but it i i just wonder whether um Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This will be a bit like the, the Champions League place for the UEFA Cup. <laughs> oh, cool. God, there's my age. The UEFA League, everybody. Uh, the UEFA League winners. Um, because I remember somebody said to me, well, I remember reading an article probably on that they look when they introduced that they looked at the the last ten years of Europa League winners, and I think only one had not finished had not actually finished high enough in their league, and I think it's probably like two or three sides that have benefited from from this in the last in the last few years. So they're actually sort of taking the punt that it's it was a good incentive for sides to take it really seriously in the stages where they didn't take it seriously, sort of group stage last 16 until the quarters, those sides really took the overly, overly serious. Um, but the, what would actually probably bear out is that one of the sides dropping out of the Champions League into the Europa League or a side that's doing so well in their domestic league that they would have qualified for the Champions League anyway, um, they would have qualified. I think that's slightly changed now because you can get in it, you know, Italy could get a fifth place if that was, if it was a side that hadn't finished in the top four. And I believe that some of the, this, this elite status club that to go into the Champions League based on historical, their coefficients is there's a, there's a cutoff. And if they've already finished in their top, then there's, there's not a place for them, but it's, it's still ridiculous way of just trying to placate clubs that, don't want to lose the money. There was a round of Serie A in midweek, mm. and for a while it seemed as though it was going to be a bit irrelevant. There were those Premier League games played on or on Monday, or that Premier League game played on Monday, where it just felt like it didn't matter. And then that was the same going into the the second Premier League game involving the Super League team. But then that turned out to really matter. But all while this was happening, there there was a Serie A game in Verona Fiorentina. Couldn't tell you how that went, <laughs> to be honest, because I didn't have the time to keep an eye on it. I think Fiorentina won, but I'll, I'll get into it. Uh, because this is when everything started to fall apart with the Super League. But we'll run through the Serie A scores from midweek because it was one of those occasions where some, sometimes football just gets things right. And it did happen a couple of times during this round. So Fiorentina beat Verona 2-1. Little old Sassuolo from a town of 40,000 people that could fill the San Siro twice and still have space left over. Went away to Milan. They went 1-0 down and the Super League club crumbled to a product of Sassuolo's youth academy. Raspadori got a brace and Sassuolo beat Milan 2-1, continuing their terrible, terrible, terrible form at home this season. Genoa Benevento finished 2-2. Spezia, little old Spezia, who had just gotten promoted from Serie B last season and aren't safe from 
relegation just yet mathematically, went and held league leaders and Super League club Inter 1-1. Crotone lost 1-0 to Samp. Fabio Quagliarella scored his 11th goal of the season, so that was a particular point of interest for Kev and I. Well, more so me than Kev. Bologna-Torino was 1-1, which might have been a good result for Torino in other circumstances, but Cagliari went away to Udinese and 1-1-0, so things are still... A little bit interesting at the bottom. Juve beat Parma 3-1 after falling 1-0 down to a Gaston Brugman free kick. Cristiano Ronaldo, I mean, stop putting him in walls. He just ducked underneath the ball and blocked his face. But you would expect Juve to win this given they're a Super League team and Parma are going to get relegated. Roma-Atalanta finished 1-1. Both teams ended the game with 10 men. Roma's sending off was in stoppage time, though. And then Napoli beat Lazio 5-2 in just... Quite a quite a sexy game of football. It was pretty special. We've already been on for half an hour, so Kev, we're not going to talk about everything, right? We're, we're just not, because it's not really important. It wasn't a big significant round of Serie A this, this week, which is a shame, right? Because of the 32nd match week. This should be huge, but it just, it just wasn't. Um, normal service will very much resume at the weekend, but what do you want to talk about from the from the midweek round? Okay, so probably the first game, uh, just to say that if there's any side that you want to be playing while the rest of Europe is imploding over the Super League, it is certainly Fiorentina, uh, even though they won. Um, and I just, you know, I just think the only other point to make is it's a real shame that Verona are now that six defeats in seven. Mm. And what was... Really, you know, what's been a pretty good season for two thirds of it, it's just kind of coming to the end as a bit. Of they a did this last year though, too, didn't they? Yeah, it's a bit of a shame that they can't, they can't quite hold it together to maybe, maybe just be in with a shout of European football towards mm. the latter stage of the season. So that was it from from that game, really. And then probably there's a there's a fair few things from the game that we just finished watching that. Um, I saw. I suppose where we where we could start is the the penalty that kicked it all off because I saw a lot of I saw some ridiculous tweet um, with a video of the slow mo of uh, Milinkovic Savic jumping with his with with his with his head with his head with his foot at least at shoulder height of Manolas mm. and then someone going, well look he dives into his foot it's like well yeah because it's it's on super slow-mo but it's a natural reaction to put your head to where the ball is going yeah the fact that Milinkovic Savage has got his foot there is just pure stupidity his foot is shoulder height like it's very high I thought yeah I know it did go to the VAR but it was always going to be given but I thought to myself you're also making the point that you're looking at that and thinking that he's in in what is probably a second and a half slowed down to five or six seconds. We expect the referees to make judgment based on something that slow. That you know the fact that they make think it's intentional. It's not intentional that Manolas has put his head there. It's it's natural. Yeah. Uh, or instinctive is going, the word. He's going for the ball there. But hmm. I thought um, I was a bit confused by this because you know the way the high foot rule is a little bit strange in that technically it should be a an indirect free kick, I believe. <laughs> But because he kicked them in the face, it's not a high foot, it's just a foul, right? Yeah, dangerous. But, uh, yeah, dangerous. I was 
I was kind of hoping that it was going to be an indirect free kick because everyone loves to see them yeah. so close to goal. But no, it wasn't to be. I've probably actually started too late because before that, uh, Lazary was taken down in the <laughs> yeah. box. And that could have changed. You know, it could have ended up 5-2 Lazio yeah. if they if they got the score off. You know, that's how, when, when you know, the old cliche about the game can change in an instant, really. Um, I was quite surprised it wasn't given, although he kind of did that thing where, you know, you stutter towards the end of your run because you know somebody's behind you. But, and I think whoever the defender was put his arm on his shoulder. So, you know, one of those that nine times out of ten, it's probably given. Um, so I think they probably got away with one there, Napoli. But then there was just some stunning finishes in the game. We've, we've got to talk, right? Because Insigne scored a really nice goal, but it doesn't matter anymore because Dries Mertens then scored. What I think is an even better goal. He had a first time. It's his 102nd Serie A goal for Napoli. He's now their joint all-time top Serie A goal scorer with Antonio Vojak, who played for them back in the, uh, the 30s, I believe. It's been a long old time. Dries Martins, you could see how emotional he got after the goal. I think there's been rumours that his, his grandmother passed away last week, so that explains it. He didn't have on the bench. Yeah, because mm. when he was off and then, you know, I, don't know, I wasn't sure if he was playing up for the cameras, but that maybe would explain that he's not mm. in the in the best of moods. Um, I think before, you know, to the goal started with Zielinski shaping to look like he was just going to side volley the throw in back to the player and completely mm. baffled to Lazio defenders by what a, a, a Cruyff turn on the half volley and then his his cross found Mertens but it wasn't the easiest to control because it was bouncing mm. about shin height and to control it to put it in the top corner was beautiful. You love Zielinski. I, I am a big fan of him and he's had a he's been I think he had a slow year last year. But he's got he's got a lot of attributes for a midfielder. I don't know, maybe that's probably why he doesn't because he does everything quite well. But um he's added a little bit more attacking output in the last say let's say second half of this season. But yeah, I, I really like him. I liked him at Empoli. And I just think well, you know, I wrote the piece on on Berardi, um mm. different kind of reasons, but I think he probably should stay at Napoli. I think he's a perfect a really Napoli midfielder. I, th- I think you, you do get these players that just suit their clubs every once in a while. He's very much one of them. Mm. Um, another who I, I still... I don't think I'll ever get over the fact that Lucas Torreira didn't join Napoli when he was at Samp because that was just something that it just had to happen. He would have been the perfect player for that midfield and now his career has declined massively and he's got a lot of family issues as well so he wants to leave Europe completely and I just think oh you could have had three glorious years at the the San Paolo and then the the Maradona but wasn't to be wasn't to be Kev any anything else from from the midweek round of fixtures no because oh the midweek round of fixtures um well I suppose we have to talk about Milan imploding do we uh, um well I can't okay, be honest just... to, be, to be quite honest with you can we focus on Let's... Sassuolo instead yeah, let's just give. Yeah, because they were the better side in they the were second, the better certainly side. in the second half. And um, I think it's someone that we've not spoken enough about on the podcast is Giacomo Raspadori, but also in that Sassuolo team, he he was on the bench at the San Siro, but he came on Maxime Lopez, who I think is just a glorious player. He's such a nice little player that's so suited to either 
basically Sassuolo Atalanta or Napoli. He just has to play for one of those clubs. He's great to watch. And I was happy to see him get on. He, he got a goal recently as well, which I was pleased about. But Raspadori, what a story it is because <laughs> that was accidental. Oh, but he, <laughs> he, he, we spoke about him briefly recently when he captained them. And it was quite nice. And I believe he, he might have scored in the game that he captained. And I'm desperately looking back at their fixtures recently to see. But I cannot quite find it. But he, he's still only a kid. And he, he, yeah, he captained him. He captained him at the weekend as well because Berardi came off the bench. Right. So yeah, he's 21 years old. It's it's quite a lot to give a, a a young player that's trying to make his way in the game to give him that sort of responsibility. Yeah, it was in the the Roma game recently where he cap, captained them and he scored an 85th minute equaliser. Quite a good player, particularly with Chicho Caputo's had his injury issues this year, he had COVID as well. He's not had an easiest of time. So to have this kid that you've produced yourself coming through. Just a sign that things are going well at Sassuolo. I do want to give, again, uh, Roberto De Zerbi. What a guy. Because he said in this press conference before the game that, look, we're going to play a team who have signed up for the Super League. If it was up to me, I wouldn't wouldn't want to play it. I just thought that was so good. So good. Um, but we won't get back into that again. We've we've given De Zerbi his praise for, for leaving out players who might have been in contact with players who might have had COVID. And I just think De Zerbi is... If we're to pick like one person who has come out of this absolute shit show of a season with not only his credibility intact, but reinforced, it's it's the Zerbi. And I do hope he's still at Sassuolo next season because I want to watch his teams play football for another while longer. If not, stay in Emilia-Romagna, please, Roberto. I, I'm not, we're not talking about Milan today, Kev. I'm just not bothered doing it. Um that's fine, I had to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Cagliari got a big win at the bottom. They, they beat Udinese 1-0. And things down there now are as follows. Benevento are level on 33 points with Fiorentina and Genoa. No, they're not. Sorry, I read that wrong. Fiorentina, Genoa and Spezia are level on 33 points. Torino are then on 31. Benevento are also on 31. And Cagliari are the the highest ranked relegation place team on 28 points. So they're just three points off now and they've won two in a row. Can they? Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a really big win just because it came off the back of the Palmer to you, you know, because of the way that came about two goals in injury time. And you then don't want that sort of bounce to be punctured by, you know, even a draw. And I did, I had, you know, when I, when we spoke at the weekend and, I said I'd sort of mapped out the ends of the seasons to a few club, and I had um, Calgary finishing the season about 32 points. Well, that was allowing for the fact that I thought they would just drop points and draw against mm. Udinese here. So I actually now make them finishing closer to what I've estimated as Benevento and Torino's final total. So, yeah, it's something that I thought was dead, you know, and I, I probably kind of keep clinging to the fact that. Calgary will still go down because probably that's what I thought and I don't, you know, nobody wants to be wrong. Well, look, I'll uh, read out the, the remaining fixtures um, and I think you will have quite a strong opinion after you hear the remaining fixtures, to be honest. So Calgary, you've got to play Roma, Napoli, Benevento, Fiorentina, Milan and Genoa. Whereas Benevento have to play Udinese, Milan, Calgary, Atalanta, Crotone and 
Torino. So Benevento have definitely got the kinder run in. Mm. Yeah, I think I saw Benevento um, defeating Crotone. Um, and well, yeah, because then that had them get into 33 points even with that win. And because of uh, Cagliari's running, I thought they'd get to 32. They'll, they, if they could beat Benevento, which I think I put down as a draw just to make it a little bit more realistic what I was um, seeing as the run-ins. But then maybe turnover. I think you just said they've got Fiorentina. Um, they probably they could probably lose all the other games, but if they can turn over Benevento and win one other, Cagliari might just be able to climb over Benevento. Mm. Um, for a while, it looked like the top four race was just going to be completely irrelevant, but it's not now. And Inter it's still 10 points clear of Milan. Oddly managed to gain ground despite dropping points off at Spezia. But there you go. Milan are on 66. Atalanta and Juve both on 65. Atalanta obviously have the head-to-head record over Juve, though. Um, Napoli on 63. Lazio a little bit further behind on 58. So it does seem now like it's there's, there's Milan, Atalanta, Juve, and Napoli. One of them is missing out, and the other three are getting top four. Yeah, I think so. That I say, I think if that if that Napoli Lazio game had gone the other way this evening, then you could still have them in there. Um, and really, I suppose Napoli are kicking themselves from not making a little bit more out of that mm. rearranged game with Juventus a few weeks ago. Um, but yeah, that's I yeah. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, I'm starting to come around to your way of thinking that if Milan play like that <laughs> much more, um, they there could there could be a real upset where Milan have been top for most of the season and they end up fifth. I just want to say that I said, I believe on this podcast, and I've said it on Twitter as well on the 21st of March, that I think that Napoli and Atalanta are both getting the top four and I think Atalanta are finishing second. So read into that what you will, Inter winning the league. Um, Kev, I'm kind of done talking about the games. Okay. Are you? Uh, well, let, let me say, uh, is it going to be two things? Ah, uh, oh, let me say three things. <laughs> Get your fingers out, mate, and have a have a little count. Yeah, no, I'm just looking at what I underlined as I found not interesting necessarily. Um, obviously, you mentioned that Inter drew against lowly Spezia, but let's just take a moment for Antonio Conte because he didn't have a full week to train him, <laughs> you know, midweek rounds. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> Fair point, actually. How did I not pick up on that? Yeah. Um, something from the Juve game as I was watching the end of it was like, I was I was dying for Juventus to get a penalty because I wanted to see if Ronaldo would hand the ball to Alexandro. Because how often does a defender get to score a Serie A <laughs> And I, I just wanted to see Sandro and Ronaldo wrestling over the ball or, you know, Buffon having to run up from the, from, from between the posts and sort of go, come on, Chris, how many goals have you scored in your career? Let, let little old Alex have a hat-trick. But, you know, the footballing gods, they'd, you know, they'd saved us of the Super League, but they couldn't give me that this week. <laughs> You know, um, Cristiano Ronaldo would have taken it. No, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> and I, and I would have been trolling on, <laughs> on on Twitter, going, "Can't believe he did that." Um, yeah, and then uh, the only other thing um, I didn't realise until I watched the highlights, but 
Goran Pandev's 100th Serie A goal and to still be going and going to the Euros with North Macedonia, just a little big up to, to Goran who is still clinging on to that hairline he's had since his mid-20s. Um, all right. That'll be it. Good. That'll be it. Kev, it's not mm. it though. I've got a game uh, for you. Okay. It's a different game. Oh. It's a different game, specifically for you, this. So I've put work into this now, Kev, so you better appreciate it, right? Um, I should say, I've stolen the game. It's not my game. <laughs> I've stolen oh. it from the the football rumble. The, oh, okay. Because if you stole it from the Totally Football Show... Um, what is their game? Well, they, they, they're, they're Reuters journalists. They put them in a knockout competition, and I think they get five questions. Mm. And I must say, um, when we listen to it in the morning, the uh, you know the wife's quite impressed with how many of the questions I get. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good I'm a good nine out of ten most days, and uh, it's not often that I get a wow her with my football knowledge. But um, yeah, they're they're they're, they're good they're good quiz, they're good quiz questions as well. All right, fair enough. Well, this is it's not that game. They're all opta powered, I think the Totally Football Show ones, right? But these very much aren't. Um, so the Football Ramble used to have a game called Going for a Gold, where one of the, the hosts, Pete, would basically, he didn't do it, he'd have listeners send it in, such as the, the power of their listenership. But I've done these myself. I've got just facts about a player, okay? And I'm just going to read them out one at a time. Right. And... Eventually, at the end, you have to try and guess who the player is. You can stop me at any point, right? So I'll give you three lives to guess who the player is, okay? Yeah. So you don't have to guess after every clue. You have three guesses in all to guess the identity of this player, okay? Right. Yeah. Right. You can choose option one, two, or three. I've got three players prepared. Uh, they all have an Italian football theme, naturally. Okay, so I can't... Can I be cheeky and ask one question first? You want to know how many clues each player has? No, no, just because... So there's a game that's played on the uh, one of the radio stations where it's the career path. Mm. You shout it out, and I'm pretty good at that as well. But I always know if it's a former or a current player, so that's all I want to know, really. Are they former or current players? Right. Well, if I'm not allowed, then if I'm not allowed to know that, then that's fine. No, just... that's fine. One of them is definitely former. One of <laughs> okay. them is still playing. And <laughs> it sounds like just. <laughs> the Well, this is the, the other one. I don't think he has retired, <laughs> put it that way. But okay. I just need to double check that this fact is correct. Okay. I'm just going to go with not to assume that they're still playing or not. <laughs> Or not, or not playing, I mean. I'm getting very mixed information on this player. So I'm going to delete someone's the last. On, uh, someone's on a certain website. Yeah. Absolutely right. Okay. Perfect. So do you want player one, two, or three? Uh, I'll take two. Ah, oh, that's the one I'm not sure about. Um, As a former fullback. Right. Well, let me just change this clue. Hold on. <laughs> Already, already wore number two, but there you go. 
Okay, so player number two, I'll tell you how many clues there are so you can kind of calculate when you want to take your guesses, right? So there are okay. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven clues. And this is a current player. Right. Okay. Okay. The first clue. I was born on September 2nd, 1989. Okay. I have played in five. Oh, no, this is... <laughs> I've played in six different countries. Right. Across several continents. I debuted for Internacional aged 17 in February 2007 before joining Milan that summer for around 25 million euro. That's a big one. That's a big one. You're three clues in. Would you like to take a guess? Um, Or would you like me to continue with the fourth clue? Just thinking there. I'm going to continue on to the fourth clip. Yeah, 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 yeah. I scored against Napoli on my Serie A debut in a 5-2 win at the San Siro. This is an audio podcast. Yes, I know, sorry. I'm thinking it's got to be a striker at 25 mil in 2007, or at least an attacker, but went from Inter to Milan. Okay. Um, oh, what? Right. I think you, I'm gonna read the second, the third clue again, and you yeah. need to listen very carefully. Yeah. I Day debuted day. for Internacional. Ah. Oh, okay. Right. It's Alex Pato. The rest of the clues are injuries fucked me, and after spells with Corinthians and Sao Paulo, I moved to the Premier League for a six-month loan spell in London. I left yeah. Chelsea for Villarreal in 2016, had a subsequent stint in China, and I'm now playing for Orlando City after a spell with Sao Paulo. I am Alex Pato. Congratulations, yeah, Kev. Uh, I, I tell you, I'm glad you, you realised what I'd missed. Yeah. Uh, and I should have realised that we don't call them Internazionale. No, no. Um, uh, no, because we call them IM. IM out of the Super League. <laughs> They did. They, I laughed when I saw that. They missed an opportunity there, didn't they? Absolutely. That but would have thank, been great. But for thank, thankful for football with Flynn. I oh, know football with Flynn for knocking me up a nice little uh, image. Oh, yeah. No, actually, big credit to... He's he's a friend of ours now, the yeah. 12-year-old kid in, in yeah. Donegal. Um, Flynn, if... Yeah. If you're listening, big, big credit for that bit of work. Oh, my God. So if, if you've not seen this... He missed this, Max while he was knocking that out. <laughs> yeah, quite probably. Quite probably. Middle of the day. I thought, surely you're at school, lad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. if if you're inclined, go over to Twitter and search for the Football with Flynn show. Flynn is F-L-Y-N-N. Or just look at, at football underscore Flynn. And see the picture that he sent to Kev because it is golden. When I, I saw the picture before I saw your conversation, so I thought, why is he knocked in a picture of Condogby uh, and Banega on that? And then I saw that you had requested those two players and he went and did it for you. 
Yeah. I think but we I need to get Flynn know. on board FIF and get him start editing pictures for our Instagram. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, he did it. I'll tell you what, he did it bloody quick. How long did it take? Oh, I reckon he had it with me in 20 minutes. No, so he didn't. He's, he's clearly... St- oh, I'll tell you what. It's he, very he, good. He hasn't, he hasn't taken long to do it. Um, but yeah, it wasn't long because... Yeah, I was at my desk because maybe he was, so he wasn't listening to his online teachers or whatever, if they're still teaching online wherever you are for him. But yeah, no fair play. Oh, it, was, it was amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. I did also like in um, in response to Florentino Perez's interview where he started talking about how kids don't like football. Um, he put up one of his pictures of himself in a Real Sociedad ad shirt and the picture was... Um, not this kid. The <laughs> Super League is rubbish, and he wants Serie A to make Atalanta the champions, so he has an excuse to get an Atalanta shirt. I'm all about it. <laughs> He's great. See, when he when he did respond, I realised I wasn't following him. So apologies for that, Flynn, but I very much am now. Good. Uh, thank you for following me and providing me with some. Uh, oh. Some Excellent. Excellent. And what a way to end the show this week. (laughs) We will be back for a Monday night recording because, of course, there is, there are rather two Monday night games next week. (sighs) Just doesn't stop. But we're nearly at the end of the season. Be back in Italy soon. Hopefully get to another game or two before the season ends as well. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.